Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. We're glad you're journeying with us, and we hope that you find value from the teachings. If you'd like to connect or support the mission of Grace and Peace Church, check us out at graceandpeacechurch.org or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Grace and Peace. With all of that scripture read like that, without any context, it's definitely a story of divine power over creation. Jesus is powerful, he's heroic, he's even a lifesaver. People were afraid, but Christ came, he calmed the storm, he took away their fears, and all that is true. And the easy takeaway for a quick read can actually just be painted on reclaimed wood and sold on Etsy. So for the podcast, we're looking at an image of a lovely sunrise, calm waters, and the phrase, when you feel like you're drowning in life situations, don't worry, your lifeguard walks on water. But this narrative, told by John Mark, with carefully chosen words and details, and with its placement in a larger story, and with the ending phrase that we might gloss over if we weren't caught up in the miraculous stuff, They were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. That has more to say to us, and it should challenge us beyond some maybe unhelpful advice not to worry. So let's look at the big picture that the event is nestled in, and then I will tell you something embarrassing. So first, big, big picture. Christian scripture is the mythology and history and story and poetry and writings about God and humanity from the perspective and voice of one nation and one people. The Old and New Testaments are the record of how Israel interpreted its relationship toward God who revealed his self in creation and in the formation of a highly purposed and holy nation and in the redemption of that nation and then in its reformation, and then through incarnation in the person of Jesus for salvation and invitation so that all of humanity might enjoy reconciliation with the God of creation. That's the backdrop to keep in mind. Now the big picture of Mark's record. Mark's book began to circulate in Rome during the time when the followers of Christ were suffering persecution, even death, under the emperor Nero. So the gospel went out to believers in Rome as really good news. News of Christ's life and resurrection meant that suffering and death at the hands of evil oppressors would not have the final word over persecuted people. The gospel message was a declaration of compassion and solidarity. Christ, too, had suffered unjustly even unto death. Innocent, silent before his accusers, Jesus was killed by violent men at the behest of the government, fully complicit with spiritual leaders. But he overcame evil and death. Christ went to his death fully identifying with every unjustly accused, voiceless, unsupported, marginalized human for all time. And to the suffering believers in Rome, that said, I see you. 
I see you, I hear the cries of my people, and I will raise you up. This world will not have the final say. My love for you is the ultimate and final word over you. Your distress is my distress, and my life will redeem yours. And as the church in Rome received the gospel, they heard that good news and more. The gospel was sent through Rome as a teaching about the Messiah, the long-awaited Savior of Israel. And in story after story, Jesus the Christ was bona fide. Not as the one who eradicated all horrors and hatred, but as the one who showed that humanity is capable of great love and compassion and healing and kindness if they would live out his example. Jesus showed the world that injustice would not be the end of the story. Now, the church in Rome read the gospel with some hindsight, and we can benefit from that too. When we read so long after the fact, we can step back and take it all in, and we can catch signs that people missed when it was all happening. We can discover for ourselves those glimpses of power that can only be explained as supernatural and divine. We get to learn for ourselves. We can expand our view of who Christ is and what identifying with Christ, living according to his ways, his example, really entails. And that, I believe, is where hope lies. Not in the end of all worrisome things, but in community with Christ and with everyone who follows him in the middle of life's storms, all together giving aid, helping, encouraging, and laying our lives down for the whole human project. The gospel said to the suffering in Rome, watch Jesus and learn from him. And learn from the human errors made all around him. And that's for us, too. So here we are today, and Jesus is walking on the water. But back up, because we need to use the whole context to read the signs. So here's a quick overview. Chapter 1, Jesus is baptized, the heaven opens up, and God says, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. So God declares the divine nature of Jesus. Chapter 2. Jesus calls 12 disciples. He begins to teach and heal. The disciples see Jesus command a demon. They see him heal Peter's mother-in-law. He heals a man with leprosy and a paralyzed man, and he forgives a man of his sins. Chapter 3, Jesus heals a withered hand and a bunch of people with just various diseases. He casts out another demon. That one says, you are the son of God. And Jesus says, shh. Chapter 4, Jesus calms the storm. Now, you might remember the disciples are out on a boat. Storm comes. Guys are flipping out. And Jesus asks them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Chapter 5, Jesus commands more demons to leave. He revives a child from death, and he heals a long-suffering woman. So Jesus demonstrated power over the physical world, power over the spiritual realm, power over the natural world, power over sin and death. The disciples saw all of that. 
So by chapter 6, they have got to be seeing Jesus as the Messiah on whose power they might rely, right? Here's the chapter 6 recap. Jesus taught with astonishing wisdom. Then he healed more people in Nazareth. Then he sent the disciples out to do the same because when Jesus says, follow me, he really means follow my ways and I'll be with you with power. So they also went out, cast out demons, healed the sick, and they came back astounded at what happened. Now, I don't know what word I would want to read there, but it's not astounded. I wish they were like expectant and then satisfied or that they were confident and then thankful, but astounded suggests that they were surprised that walking with the Son of God produces results, that touching the unclean restores their humanity, that bringing healing ends disease, that living into God's love conquers evil. Jesus proved to his disciples that his presence accomplishes all of that, And then he sent them out to show them that can also happen through believers acting in the name of the one through whom love is made manifest in remarkable, powerful action. So next, Jesus and the guys are confronted by 5,000 hungry people. Nate talked about that last week. That would have been a great moment for any one of the disciples to say, No problem, y'all. Jesus will provide. That did not happen. There is no sense at all that the men turned to Jesus to resolve the crowd's hunger. Even when Jesus said, no, you feed them, the disciples didn't consider the miraculous things they had just participated in. They didn't show faith that provision was in Christ. No one asked for his help, and no one acted by faith. But Jesus made a way. Once again, he showed that care is found in him, that generosity is found in him, compassion is in him, hunger is abated through his provision, and abundance followed his intervention. After that dinner, Jesus sent all the disciples away in a boat. He set them to sea, and he left to pray alone. And maybe I'm reading tone into that, but I feel a weariness in his walking away. Jesus went up a mountain, and meanwhile, the men encountered a headwind that fought against their efforts all night long. And Jesus saw them. He saw their struggle as evening came, And he went to them around the fourth watch. Does anybody know what time of day the fourth watch is? Maritime. It's like 3 a.m. So all night long, the men fought the wind. They worked under their own power to no good end. They exhausted themselves, striving against the natural forces of wind and sea. Ah, if they only knew a guy who could speak to the wind and have it obey. If only they knew that safety was theirs for the asking. If only they would have cried out 
in bold confidence to the God of salvation, then maybe we too would be convinced of the king and the kingdom that was so near and available to them. But nope. They rode into the wind all night long. And when the disciples finally saw Jesus on the water, it wasn't relief and realization that washed over them. No one said, oh, our bad, Jesus, I can't believe we didn't think to rely on you. We could have been home hours ago. No, they saw Jesus and they were terrified. No one said, whew, the Messiah has come to us. Surely we are saved. No, they all said, oh, dang, a ghost. <laughs> and I don't know what their previous experience was that made ghosts more possible than Jesus showing up. <laughs> but that happened. And apparently they all thought the same thing, and everyone was okay with that. But it was Jesus who climbed into the boat. It was Jesus who spoke into their fear, and Jesus stopped the wind. And then all the disciples praised God, and their faith was greatly increased, and they never doubted again. That did not happen. Mark just says they were astounded. And not like good astounded either. They were puzzled. They hadn't understood the things that happened before. Not the healings, not the teaching, not Jesus being called the Son of God, not the last storm, not the bread, not the fish. They weren't connecting the dots from miraculous power over evil and hunger and disease and death to God incarnate to Jesus who enacted all those things and Mark ends the story saying their hearts were too hard to take it in now at this point I would love to say that with all the insights we can gain from Mark's account not one of us here has wavered in our faith since we first heard the gospel but I can't no judgment on those 12 guys no judgment zone here. I told you I would include an embarrassing story. So here it goes. Some years back, a bunch of us connected here were on a mission trip together in Costa Rica. And I am not going to name anyone by name because I really, really only mean to speak for myself about what happened there. Yeah, you were there. Our team was led by a couple. They were stationed at the seminary there. And together, we had worked all day repairing a school. But that wasn't the main job. Our main job that day was to host a night event. And we we're going to show the Jesus movie, pray for the community. So we set up the equipment, like tech equipment, sound equipment. And we waited until the locals' workday ended. And the days there ended with the town gathering in a central park for the men to play soccer. But as night came, so did a storm. We could all see it coming. And storms in Costa Rica are no joke. There was a wall of water coming to the field. And as the rain began to hit, our team just stood on the school side of the, event, of the fence like, oh, I guess this isn't happening. We should probably grab our equipment and save it. Even when Shelly, our leader, came running toward us. I was probably just thinking about the tarps or something. But she was yelling at us, 
She ran to the fence, banged on it to snap us out of it, yelling at us to pray. No kidding, I don't think any one of us had thought of that. And if we did, we definitely didn't rally it. But Shelly did. She prayed for the community, and she prayed against the storm, and the clouds in the sky above the field parted. Clouds moved away in every direction until the field was surrounded but not touched by rain. The night went on. The movie was shown. People spoke, prayed. Pastor from the community told us that people had, become, had come to believe in Christ that night. And I was floored. That was miraculous. It was a stunning display of power. And I would love to say that none of us ever doubted the power of God again and that none of us has ceased praying since then. I would love to say that. A couple days later, our team's getting ready to travel in a very small, kind of janky, overpacked, overcapacity van. And torrential rains begin again. The kind of rains that wash out roads, soap gear, stop plans in their tracks. Something went very wrong and we got stuck. Most of our gear was on top of the bus. The situation, I'll say, was precarious because my kids were there and Paul doesn't know the whole story. It, it wasn't a good idea. So our team knew exactly what to do. We worried out loud, we complained, we fussed, we probably counted the cost of our gear, and that about sums it up. Doggone, if Shelly didn't have to turn around again and shout at us again, pray. She didn't have to say, you saw the rain stop two days ago, you ding-dongs. But that was implied. And I don't know what kind of church team she was used to, but our lack of faith must have been such a disappointment. Poor Shelly. Poor Jesus. I think they can really relate to each other. Then Shelly led a prayer, and the rain stopped it's just barely a drizzle. And with some help, the driver was able to get out, secure our gear, get us back on the road. And I don't think I looked Shelly in the eyes again for the rest of the day. We were tested, and our faith practice failed. And all I can say from that is this. I wish I had learned more than I did. I hope I never forget what I saw. But I have a lot of missed days and missed moments where I don't pray, I don't cry out, where I don't walk through my storms with Jesus, where I choose to battle solo, or I don't know, maybe I do just forget. Maybe my faith does just fail. So I get it if your faith fails too. I wasn't kidding about no judgment here. That is not our task. That is not my place. What is ours though? is to be a community of remembering and formation, a place of story and support, a place to gather and hear stories of Jesus and the first disciples and to grow from them. And it's also on us to make space for each other outside of these walls and during the week so that when one of us fails, 
another person's story might shine light into their darkness. If I can put this in really personal terms, please create space for me so that when I can't muster enough faith from my own story with Jesus, you can tell me yours and lead me back to remembrance. I'm asking in advance for your help here. And really, I hope you'll walk with anyone who is despairing or lost or simply exhausted. Ultimately, Jesus entered into all of the troubles in the stories today. But how much better would it be for any of us to call out to him in the early evening when the storm is still on the horizon instead of waiting until we're all exhausted at 3 a.m.? Even better, what if we were constantly reminded of his presence? Jesus called out the collective when he saw their lack of faith. He called out the collective because none of us is in this life alone. We are responsible to and for each other. Christ's selflessness teaches us that. And his followers, we, are tasked with his same mission. So let me close with just two thoughts to address that mission in the days ahead. Number one, walk by faith with Jesus. And number two, use the buddy system. Now I'm going to invite Bo up and he'll play over us as we sort of come to our end. And I'll read the benediction when we get to the end. But let me put this question out there for you all to talk about over a cup of coffee in the next few minutes. What is your Jesus story? When did he show up for you? Now, you're going to grab a drink, and I'll ask someone to tell you, to tell, ask you to tell someone, because they just might need to hear it. So, Andy, if you want to throw up our benediction... And it's so fitting in light of that. Rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us, guiding and protecting us. Share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of each day. Amen. So when I fight
Oh, Lord, we're so grateful for today, Jesus. God, what, uh, just thank you, Lord, for the word that was shared with us and those stories, just an encouragement, a reminder to us that, Lord, prayer is the work. I've heard that said before, God. We got to start with prayer, and then that's where you move and you do the things that you want to do. So thank you for those reminders today, Lord. Um, We love you, Jesus. Amen.